Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, my friends. Back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always. Um, apologies for the uh, long break in the action, but uh, things just keep uh, breaking wrong for me in terms of finding time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends how far you go back with the show, but we've had computer drama going back to like 2016, the first time my rig crashed, uh, replaced the C drive, went another two and a half years, crashed the C drive again. I leave like 80 windows open when I go to sleep at night. I mean, I just kill computers. I'm terrible. Um, And so I fixed the thing twice and now it's down for the third and I think final time. so I'm going to be needing a new rig, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm efforting that as we speak. I'm actually sort of excited, because um, when I get this thing, my ability to process video is going to go through the roof. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun doing film uh, for future rookies and all that stuff. Um, the other thing I've been going through, and I haven't really shared this, um, it's a private thing, but um, just so you guys, I don't want people to think that I don't care anymore and that I've lost interest in, in this stuff, because I haven't. Um, but... Um, you know, last year we went through a lot of stuff. A lot of people that I care about passed away. Um, and then we also lost my father-in-law over the summer. And in the fall, right, um, you guys might have noticed, I basically stopped doing content around week 11. Uh, it's when I found out my pops uh, had cancer. He was going to need a pretty intense uh, surgery. Um, and we've been dealing with that really since then. Um, he's been through a lot. Uh, my father's a little older, but he's an amazing guy. And we just love him to death, and we really want to make sure he gets through this. Um, he's about halfway through chemo now, for those who uh, care, and he's doing really well. I was with him yesterday, and he hit the 50% mark, um, and all the uh, nurses and uh, folks were really excited. Uh, he's doing really well, uh, so for those of you uh, who want to know. So um, just sort of throwing it out there, that's sort of where my heart has been uh, the last couple of months. Um, and I'm really glad that uh, things are going well for Pops. Um, so between that and the computer and me dealing with all the stuff that I was dealing with, we're not going to get back into my health stuff, doing pretty well. Um, I just, I've, I've been, I've been uh, jammed for time. Uh, anyway, um, I do have time right now, and I'm really excited about tonight, NFL Draft. Uh, I'm a Jet fan. <laughs> so like today's the day you get excited and then get your heart crushed. Looking forward to that as always. Um, and what we're going to do now, um, I'm done with this wind-up. There's two minutes you're never going to get back. But um, on today's pod, what I really want to get into, and, uh, and before we start that, I'm going to talk about the pods that are coming up. Uh, I'm going to have a couple, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll, I don't know if we'll actually get the first episode over the weekend, but I'm going to start recording it. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but on today's pod, basically we're going to be looking at the flavor, the color, the shape of some of these prospects, where I think the depth is positionally. Um, and we're going to get into what we want to do with, 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 with these players at different positions. Um, and we're going to get into what not to do. Um, you know, I think this is a, a really good year to really avoid that next man up strategy, to know where the drop-offs or the teardrops, whoever you like to think about it, you know, where they are, um, and really respect them and not get caught up in need drafting. I think this is a year where need drafting can just absolutely blank you in the blank. It, knowing when to pivot is going to be important because instead of taking that faux, player you take a real player maybe it's at a position where you've got depth and you have to set up a deal but I would much rather need to deal than need to cope with the fact that I blew a pick you know um hey that's just me um so that's basically what we're going to be doing with the pod today I'm going to go through um really probably a lot of big name guys uh today um and the, you know because that's what we're going to be dealing with uh, the next you know tonight and then bleeding into tomorrow or the really you know the guys that we like a lot so we're going to talk about them uh I will have probably a Saturday morning podcast just going over what's left where I think some of the value might be I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do that I I'm not going to lie to you I'm enjoying being a little bit more of a dynasty player and a little bit less of a dynasty analyst just because I'm not sharing any information. Um, this year's draft is going to be one of the first rookie drafts I've ever done where I didn't like publish all my rankings ahead of time. I'm so sick of people knowing where they, you know, how to trade in front of me, just knowing exactly what I want to do. Uh, it makes it hard to be sneaky, and I love, love being sneaky in drafts. Um, so what I plan to do... Um, is I'm really not releasing any rankings. Sorry, but, you know, I'm not getting paid for this right now, so I'm doing it the way I feel like doing it. Um, and it, one 
One league that um, I've been enjoying more and more, um, Ty Gunther runs this really cool league. It's called the Ultimate Dynasty Podcast League. Um, and I've you know been a playoff contender uh, every year in this league, and I'd never broken through. And uh, finally last year I won the league. Um, and I'm exciting. I'm excited to try and you know defend my 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 title. No one's ever done that, so who knows? Maybe I could be the first. That'd be cool. Um, but so I'm sitting there with the 12th pick. It's a super flex format, uh, and uh, so I, I'm going to have a little bit of fun going over the first round. Um, I'm not saying I'm not going to move up, but I'm probably not going to move up. Um, but we'll get into, am I going to try to do any other moving up maybe later in the draft? When would I want to? That kind of thing. Uh, and I'm going to sort of live pod the draft as I go through it, but I'm not going to do it live because you couldn't do it live um, just so folks understand. For Maybe some folks have different types of dynasty leagues or maybe you've never done a rookie draft, but they can take forever. Um, this is, I think, they, uh, last year I think we used like a 12-hour clock. Um, so people will sit on the clock forever. You can, you know, the first round could last two or three days for all I know. Um, they turn the clock off overnight, I think. Um, so I'll be talking through the picks and then releasing probably several small podcasts as we work through the draft. Um, and now I'm not sure <laughs> how exciting um, that sounds, but you know I'm, you're going to have my commentary, commentary, excuse me, on the picks um, and my thought process, and um, and then you know how, what, where, why I'm doing what I'm doing with my assets relative to my wants and needs, you know, and the talent available. Um, so I'll you know I'll sort of talk through you know, who I'm hoping is going to get to me and, and, you know, what players I might be willing to try to move up and make moves on. Um, so I'm really not sure how good the podcast will be because I don't know how the draft is going to play out. Maybe it's a really dramatic draft with a lot of moves and we can get into some game theory and it'll be a lot of fun. Maybe it's going to be a draft where everybody sort of stays in their position. It's going to be more about talking about the players and did I like that pick, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the way I figure it, no matter what, it's going to be good insight into how a lot of really smart uh, GMs are drafting. We've got guys who work for NBC Sports Edge, and we've got people from, you know, uh, draft nerds. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, really smart uh, dynasty dummies. And, and you know, the, the guys from the Open Bar Pod are in there, um, you know, our good buds. So really everybody in this league is you know, it's it's like one through twelve good people, um, but they're also savvy. These guys all run dynasty podcasts, um, so you know they're very informed. And, and this is going to be a draft that literally—I didn't think I, I might not have mentioned this yet—but this draft literally starts the second the NFL draft ends. So Tyler sits there the minute Mister Irrelevant gets taken, he starts our draft. So sometime on Sunday, this draft is going to start, um, and I will start leaking out information probably maybe late Sunday night, early Monday morning, uh, with podcasts dropping, uh, you know, probably sometime Monday or Tuesday. Um, and, uh, I, you know, hopefully that's going to be a lot of fun. So let's um, get into this, uh, this draft class a little bit. I haven't had a lot to say on it yet. Um, and uh, I, I really do have some strong opinions. So, uh, and, and, and again, in the past I've come at my pre-draft stuff as sort of a scout I did scout these players, but I really want to try to package the information this year a little bit more from a dynasty angle. So we're going to really be looking at these players in terms of how to acquire them in rookie drafts. And, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe if we can get a little lucky, um, I can convince some of my league mates um, to jump on and talk about their picks if they have maybe strong opinions on some other picks. Um, everybody in this league's got pretty thick skin. We're all pretty confident uh, in our own opinions. So I will reach out uh, to my league mates, and we may have... Uh, uh, a good guest or two uh, on some of those pods uh, as well. Okay, so let's um, let's not waste any more time because I, I definitely need to keep this podcast under an hour. I know you guys probably have a lot of pods you're going to be listening to today, uh, so I don't want to lose your uh, attention. Um, now, um, mostly, uh, mostly we're going to talk about running backs and receivers here because that's really where my focus is. I do not love... This quarterback class, I think the guys that I do want probably are going to get overdrafted for people drafting by need in super flex leagues. Um, so I'm not real focused on the quarterbacks or the tight ends. Uh, we will talk about them a little bit more, uh, but not not today. Um, let's hit the running backs because I think running backs, you know, just real quick. Um, and and this is not a class that I love, um, but by the same token, you know, I think it's important to note who are the running backs who I think you know. 
uh, are rosterable. I think it's important in, with this draft class, it's really important with this draft class, to not forget the lay of the land for NFL running backs. I mean, how good does a back need to be to move the needle right now? It's very important to understand where that line is. Guys who fall below that line simply don't have a lot of value. Um, so don't lose sight of the standard. I mean, yes, it's a bit of a plug-and-play position. We've been talking about RBs don't matter, RBs are plug-and-play, you just put them in there. I mean, yeah, that's true, but it's true for the most part when we're dealing with guys who meet the standard, right? They're in the NFL because they meet the standard, right? We're not talking about plug-and-play right now. We're talking about do they qualify to be plugged, okay? So, yeah, you still have to be able to play, right? It's not just... Like you need to be able to play to be plugged, right? So if you can't play, it really doesn't matter how much plug-in you're going to get. You're going to underperform. You're going to you're going to you're going to get replaced as soon as there's a better healthy back available. You're out of there, right? So we really want to know who are the guys who who honestly fit the standard. Who are the guys who could actually move the needle in an NFL backfield? Where if they went into an average NFL backfield, they could move to the top of the pecking order. And for me, there you know there are really only two guys to talk about when when, when we put it to that level, and, and that's Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Now Hall for me, I I was instant love. I I turned the film on, and it was just a matter of how much do I love this guy. Um, really huge fan of Brees Hall's game. I love the way he runs. Uh, I love his athleticism. I love the way he processes. His motor planning is outstanding. He's a big time receiver in my view. He's got route capabilities that can be improved. He can. He's got room to grow because he's clearly a coachable player. I'm a huge fan of Brees Hall. If that, as long as this guy doesn't get hurt, I, I just love him. Uh, Kenneth Walker, also explosive, has a lot of positive traits. Um, I think the receiving uh, is something that's going to continue to evolve. Uh, as long as he gets a landing spot, I'm going to be in with both feet on Kenneth Walker. So two guys, really like him a lot. Where, where it gets weird for me is once we get past those two guys. Um, you know, for example, I'm going, I'm looking at a generic rankings list from a very respectable dynasty website. I'm not going to say whose rankings I'm using, but Spiller, Isaiah Spiller, Rashad White, um, you know, Zamir White um, are, are like the next guys on the list. And I don't really want those guys. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, these are guys that aren't really based on where I think they're going to be going in rookie drafts. They're not really on my board. These are players I just want other people to take. Because I just don't think they have what it takes to move the needle in, the, in an NFL backfield. They need to get lucky with opportunity to really pay off. And I'm not paying, you know, legit prices for guys like that. Now, there are guys who I like if the price is right. You know, uh, you know James Cook, if he were to fall to me. I think Pierre Strong, if he were to fall to me. Um, you know, uh, you know Tyler Algier in certain situations, if he fell to me. Um, I think, you know, I could have some interest. I think not many people talk about him, but a guy like Tyler Chandler, uh, I, I could have some interest in if he's falling to me. Um, you know, really late in drafts, I think, you know, a guy, uh, if he gets drafted, you know, I might take a guy in like the fifth round of a rookie draft, somebody like uh, Sincere McCormick or somebody like that. Um, there are some guys I like in this class, but Overall, it's a lacking running back group, and I think it's it's really important. And you may like a guy who I didn't mention. There, are, you know, if we're really going to sit there and look for reasons to like guys, there are a couple other names we can get into. But I just think it's important to understand that this is an over underwhelming group overall. Really stick with the guys who can actually make an impact. You know, and when you see a guy um, like James Cook right? An, an, an undersized running back. Um, just the fact that he's electric and hugely talented moves him up the board in this class. Um, and normally a guy like James Cook is sort of an afterthought gimmick kind of guy. Maybe we take him in a late round because you never know. But in this class, if you have to reach for a running back, I'd rather reach for a guy like Cook because at least I know he's hugely talented. Um, anyway, um, I think the most important thing about running back in this in this season, other than Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, is really make sure, really make sure you're not reaching for position. Um, and that leads us to the receivers, okay? I, I keep coming back to Spinal Tap with this group. I think they go up to 11. There are 11 receivers um, in this class that I really, really like. And 
I think it's really key to understand a couple things about this group. First of all, all 11, and, and by the way, these are not the only 11 receivers that I have interest in. There's probably another five or six guys that I have a lot of interest in rostering, but I'm not jumping through hoops to get them, okay? There are 11 receivers where if any of them slip into the second round of a super flex or a single QB draft, any of these guys get into that second round price area, I'm, I'm trying to get them. I'm trying to move up. Um, if I can, to try to get these players. Um, now, I'm going to go through them real quickly. The order is not particularly important. In fact, I, I haven't even busted my tail to push these guys into an order. The reason being is that they're so close. 1 to 11. I've never seen a group this tightly packed. And I think... I think this class is being underrated, undersold. I think this is actually one of the deeper, better groups of high-end receivers that we've ever seen. Um, I think it's reminiscent in some ways of like 2014. The difference is we don't have clearly elite options. Um, you know, in 2014, there were four or five guys where I'm like, wow, these guys could be like Hall of Fame special. Um, now, one of them, I mean, Sammy Watkins is one of the best rookie receivers I've ever scouted in terms of just what he was doing at the college level. He was an NFL receiver playing college football. Now, obviously, we all know Sammy had some injuries. He, you know, became a little bit of a flat earther kind of a guy. He, you know, you know, he, he sort of toddles to his own beat, you know, and hey, God bless him. He's got the money. He can do it. But he's not the kind of guy who likes to grind a playbook and, and do what the coaches tell him to do when the coaches tell him to do it. He He's his own guy. And, 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 and his career has gone that way. So sometimes that happens. Okay, Watkins could have been a Hall of Famer, and he's just going to be a guy when, it's, when all is said and done. But, you know, it's not like he was a bust, and it's not like this guy's not going to retire with, you know, $60 million in his bank account. Um so you never know what's going to happen, but there are 11 guys in this class where I will jump through hoops if they last long enough on the board. I will get aggressive trying to acquire these players. So let's talk about who the 11 guys are first, and then we'll get into some specifics. Um, Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, Yahan Dotson, uh, George Pickens, Traylon Burke, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, and Jalen Tolbert. That's 11 receivers. Every single one of those guys has traits that get me going a little bit, where if I can get these guys at the right price, I feel like I'm getting significant upside. Um, now, let's just start at the top. And again, it's not really the top. Based on where these guys go, they're going to move around. Jameson Williams, to me, is the one obvious guy who sort of, you know, will counter the narrative of there's no great receivers in this class. But let me tell you something. If Jameson Williams gets a landing spot, meaning if he gets a quarterback who can take advantage of his skill set, and we'll talk about this in a second, um... If we get a guy who can just unlock Jameson Williams fully, he could be a monster, an absolute monster. Now there's the the injury, and you know we don't know what week he's going to be himself. Maybe he's not the full on Jameson Williams until until 2023. So there could be some people who will stay away from him, and I love that because please let Jameson Williams slip to me, please, please, please. I will be so happy because he's a guy who's got that ceiling. Um, so right off the bat, he is sort of my number one just because I feel like everything people say doesn't exist in this class. To me, Jamison Williams sort of counters that. Um, and then there's Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Uh, a little bit of a crazy legs, a little bit, you know, unclean with his feet at times. He sort of trips over his own feet. He, he plays a little bit out of control, but at the same time, there's so much to like about Garrett Wilson, the hand, the catch-making ability, uh, the ability to come back to the football. He does, you know, for a guy, you know, who is a little awkward at times, he's incredibly fast. He can come, when he does get, a, you know, he's a little inefficient at the break point with his feet. But once he's coming out of that break, he's explosive. Um, he's really good near the sidelines. 
he's really good after the catch. Very explosive. Uh, I love the way he plays. He's got an alpha mentality. There's so much to like about Wilson. But again, there is a little bit of pause with the crazy legs factor and the fact that he's sort of his own worst enemy sometimes. But I love the way he plays. I love his explosiveness. Absolutely, especially if he gets a landing spot. This is a guy who has all kinds of big play potential at the next level. I guess the thing with Garrett Wilson um, that I want is I would prefer him to go to a team that can get him off. I don't want him to, to be just like the obvious number one in a team where he's going to be getting safety help. And when he beats the first guy, he's running into traffic. I would like him to be a little bit more of a number two, especially early in his career. You know, a situation like some of these guys in Pittsburgh had, um, you know, like like Juju his first year, and, and we go back to Martavis Bryant. Um, you know, they're able to really use those two and three receivers and get them into space and do things with them. If you know, if Garrett Wilson got that type of landing spot, uh, if Garrett Wilson went to the Chiefs, <laughs> um, or if he, you know, or if Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, landed with Green Bay or something like that, um, or or gosh, the Chargers. Woo! I'd love to see him. Um, you know, working as like the third wheel in the Chargers offense as a rookie. Uh, he could be amazing. Um, so highly explosive. Some things that give me pause, but really like Garrett Wilson. Okay, let's talk about Drake London. Another guy where if the landing spot is right, London just, you know, he just becomes solidified and he moves up my board. So much to like. But if London were to land in a place where the QB is not good and if he doesn't have another receiver to balance the field, if teams are able to concentrate on him. So you're, if he is a guy where defensive pressure makes him a small window guy with a mediocre quarterback the production's not going to be what we want early and then who knows how it goes so london is i think landing spot sensitive but really love a lot of what this guy does um olave another guy i think olave is going to be a good player i don't think there's really anything that can take him to a point on my board where i don't want him but at the same time, you know, I, I look at Alave as a guy who could be like a Brandon Cooks, but better. But he does need a little bit of help. He needs an offense that works. Um, you know, and again, and, and you know, I think a little bit of a pivot here. I've got eleven receivers on my board. Like I said, the the Spinal Tap group it goes to eleven, and um, and when I say that it, they these guys can sort of transcend landing spot, what I mean by that is no matter where they go, I'll want to roster them. Now, you know, the price will will move some, obviously, and these receivers are so tightly packed, as I mentioned, that my 11th and my 10th and 11th guys can, like, literally maybe even jump almost to the top of my board if they're the guys who land with Rodgers, right? Um, uh, if they take it, if they get taken early enough by the right team, um, th they could really move up the board within this big tier. Um, and I think, and again, sorry, I'm jumping off. I'll get back to these players in a second. Um, I've had too much coffee, <laughs> but there are. I think right off the bat, to me, there are three teams where. You know, like the Chargers, Packers, and Chiefs, not in that order. But I think those three teams could draft as many as, say, four receivers um, that are in this top 11. And then because they're back in the pack, because these guys could be going maybe late first, maybe even sometime in the second round, and trades could happen. But, you know, if four guys go to these three teams, and if the four guys that go to these three teams are, say, the six, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, if they, you know, if there are five, six receivers that get taken ahead of them, then landing spot and draft capital start to get all mixed up. And who knows what, you know, order these guys actually go in in rookie drafts, which could create really wonderful buying opportunities for folks like you and me. Um, so, you know, again, these late guys go late first. They get the landing spot and the QB um, plus opportunity situation, right? Um, and and if the guys who, if the Chiefs get one or two guys, you will get the great landing spot plus the quarterback plus great scheme and coaching. So it's just everything going for these guys. And again, because this tier is so tightly packed, all of a sudden I've got guys in the 8, 9, 10, 11 range who can jump over the guys in the 5, 6, 7 you know, three, four, five, six, seven range. It's very compelling and interesting. And this draft is really going to be fun in that regard. Um, so um, we were talking about Alave. You know, 
I've talked about George Pickens and, and Johan Dotson. Really like these guys a lot. Um, um, and then Traylon Burks. Uh, you know, he's the uh, ninth guy I've mentioned. But Traylon Burks, imagine if Traylon Burks goes to a team where we like the landing spot. Now, clearly, Traylon Burks is a guy where if he goes to the wrong team, this could get bad. And I'm not touching Traylon Burks if I don't like the organization that takes him. You know, if... You know, if he gets stuck in sort of a LaVisca Chenault scenario where, you know, a guy drafts him, believes in him, that guy gets displaced, then there's another coaching staff and then another coaching staff, and Burke's career could end up being a mess. And I'm not going to get involved in that. But if Burks goes to, like, the pack, a team that can run the football, where he can get drafted, excuse me, he can be, now we're using drafted in a different context, where you've got a running game with the, the quick back and the power back where they can just pound on teams and an elite quarterback who can then just hit the open man all over the field. A guy like Burks on an offense like that, where they can sort of get him in space and where offenses, where defenses cannot think, well, we need to stop Burks because they're worried about Rodgers and they're worried about that running game. Now all of a sudden, and again, they could a, a team like the Pack. They could draft a guy like Dotson or Pickens, or if they get lucky, a guy like uh, Alave could slip to them. And with their second pick, get a guy like Burks. They could get both. So then you'd have the speed outside, the pounding running game that really works, plus Rogers orchestrating, plus some nice possession guys in there, right? And then you add a guy like Burks. Burks could be a big play guy. So uh, landing spot is so huge for a guy like Traylon Burke. So he's sitting there in the middle of this whole thing as a floater where he could elevate the value of the whole group by getting a good landing spot. So again, this is so compelling in terms of how this is going to play out. Um, I think I mentioned Sky Moore. Excuse me, on my first podcast, uh, he was a guy where I, he just popped on film for me, loved him right from the drop. I was worried that he would start moving up boards. Well, he has. People, I've now heard people saying Sky Moore, you know, above London, above Garrett Wilson. Wow, that's, wow. Um, I can see where people are coming from. Really like the player. Don't think I can put Sky Moore above the guys who are completely established from big-time schools. But that doesn't mean I don't have the confidence to pay a decent price for Sky Moore if he stays on the board long enough. He basically just fits the paradigm of what we're talking about here. If he gets overdrafted, great. He's going to push a guy who I really believe in to me. If he doesn't get overdrafted and stays on the board, he becomes a buying opportunity for me. Um, speaking of the Sky Moore type, and again, this is a very loose tier. Christian Watson, wow. <laughs> this dude is... Christian Watson's the guy. You watch him play, and you sort of think he's like 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". You forget that he runs a little bit bent over in a good way and is actually 6'5", right? I mean, this guy is a big freaking monster. Um, now, obviously, lower level of play. We're going to have some questions about are his, you know, the little... Is his bag of tricks going to work as well at the next level. Obviously, it won't, but this guy, as a developmental prospect, you know, he comes in big, fast. He's, you know, what, I, I think he's just a shade under 6'5". You know, he's got long arms. He's like 210 pounds. He's got 10-plus-inch hands, runs a sub 4440, can jump through the roof. Um, so, yeah, you can sit here and talk about the routes are not super crisp they're not super defined uh he, he he could have a little bit of an issue with the jam because he's not used to working with talented court against talented cover corners that are his size or near his size clearly if this guy goes to a team where they try to make him a number one receiver or an x from the get-go he could struggle but if if this guy goes to a team that can bring him along at the correct pace you know if 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 he gets the right landing spot scenario where he can be the second receiver or the third receiver early and then sort of move into that co-number one, you know, in year two or three, this guy could be an absolute monster. So the upside is just huge. And, and again, this is a guy where who knows where we're, we may not have to pay that much to get our hands on this guy. We don't know yet. We don't know. Okay. Um, and again, now moving in the same kind. Okay, I, so if you didn't, if you haven't figured it out, I really like Christian Watson. Okay, and again, he's the ninth guy we're talking about here. I don't know if he's really my ninth ranked guy. 
I, it, and the reason I'm not hemming and hawing about it is because it's ultimately not going to matter where I rank these guys in terms of, you know, how I project them in a generic offense because they're not going to land in a generic, a generic spot. We're going to know what their early competition for targets is. We're going to know if the scheme is beneficial to them. We're going to know if they have a quarterback who can unlock them early. So I'm much more concerned about these guys non-generically than generically. Um, and again, we're just not done. We've got an, a 10th and 11th guy to talk about here. Uh, and again, I think it's really important to understand that these guys, I'm, I, I'm getting to them at 11 and 10 in the discussion, but both of these players have the ability to move up. And again, the only reason I don't move them up right now is that the guys I've already spoken about are so compelling themselves. Um, it's just so important to understand that some, a couple of guys are going to get squeezed out of this group and probably into the second round because of need drafting. And when it happens, these are buying opportunities for you. Whether it be a trade-up or whether you happen to have the organic picks to acquire the players. Okay, so the next guy I want to talk about here, and we're doing okay for time. I think we're going to get this in inside, well inside of the hour, which is great. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is Alex Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. It's interesting because I went through the quarterbacks first this year, which, you know, is weird. I don't normally do that, but I liked Ritter. I didn't love him, but I liked him. I like the way he moves. I like his feet a lot. Um, and I just like his moxie. I like the way he plays. The one thing about Ritter that drives me a little batty is that he, he gets a little Teddy Bridgewater in terms of accuracy outside the numbers. And I think particularly once you get to the mid and the third level, you know, he doesn't feel like an NFL quarterback to me. But he does a lot of things I really like. But forget about Ritter. <laughs> Let's talk about Alec Pierce. Now, I'm watching Pierce's film and I'm like, oh my God, I like this guy. He's showing me elements... Uh, of a lot of different receivers I like, like like Marvin Jones elements and some Adam Thielen elements. Um, and, you know, and the thing that I think is interesting about Pierce, the th you know, what jumps off to me is I'm like, wow, I like this guy. And then I look at the numbers, I'm like, why is this guy not getting more opportunity? And as I watched the film and as I watched Ritter's film, as I watched this offense, I slowly came to the conclusion that his strengths line up with his quarterback's weaknesses. That's going to hurt volume. Also, a lot of the times where he exposes his strengths, the quarterback wasn't making the play. Um, I felt like I felt like as much as I like Ritter, and I think he may be one of the better guys in this class, and he may end up playing in the NFL. Specifically for Alec Pierce, Ritter was not a great fit, and he cost him. Even on plays where he didn't cost him the catch itself, he cost him yak. So I think like Pierce with a better quarterback could have put even a, you know better numbers. Now look, we can talk about a lot of guys and say they were getting college level quarterbacking. That's <laughs> obviously that's going to be common to college level play. But I feel like Pierce, for a guy who did so many good things, didn't get the statistical payoff for doing them. And I think he's better than his numbers indicate. Additionally, he's a pure outside player. They didn't move him around to get the ball in his hands. And I think, in a way, that could be a good thing. Because what it shows to you is this guy's a pure outside weapon. And in the NFL, you know, they're looking for guys who can do that. So... I don't think he is necessarily limited. I don't, like, if you wanted to get this guy looks inside, he's got the route capabilities to do it. But because he's got that long body and the strength and the speed and the jumping ability, he, he, it's so easy to just say, this guy's going to win outside for us. We're going to use him that way. And I think that's what Cincinnati did. Um, so, you know, Pierce is a guy where I think NFL teams really in need of a guy who can play outside are really going to like this guy. Um, and then as as time goes on and as this guy refines his routes and his footwork and learns the ins and the outs, I think he's the kind of guy in the right offense who can be moved around a little bit. So, you know, Pierce is a guy I feel like because he comes from Cincinnati, because his his metrics and his film outpace his stats, I feel like he's a guy who may not get the kind of respect that he really deserves. 
um, and again, could jump into the second round, and I feel like his ceiling is just maybe just a lot bigger than I think a lot of people are giving him credit for. So again, just another example of how strong this class is. You know, and again, we're not done. We still got one more guy to talk about here. And, and last but not least, and I really have to impress upon this, somebody had to be 11. Um, and in all honesty, I, I really didn't spend a lot of time thinking who should be 11 because I just, the truth is I don't care. These guys are so close. I don't have strong opinions. I can move Christian Watson up to number two. I can move Tolbert, who we're about to talk about, up to two. You know, I, Jameson Williams for me is one just because I feel like if the knee comes back and if the landing spot is right, he could very easily be that high-end elite receiver that a lot of people say this class lacks. So he is my one for that reason. Um, but that doesn't mean he's going to end up being the best in this class. I can think of a number of reasons why it could not happen for him. The injury could become problematic. He could have another one. The quarterback and offense he goes to aren't good, and he ends up being in a disorganized system. Maybe he doesn't work hard enough. Maybe the fact that he's not the sharpest pencil in the box, and quite frankly, the interviews I've watched with him, pencil didn't seem that sharp. So, you know, there are things for any of these players that could take him down, Again, people say, hey, there's no elite guy in this class. Well, if Jameson Williams works, if everything clicks, that guy's elite. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of narratives that have built up about this wide receiver class over time that don't really hold water. And I, if there's one thing I want to impress upon you in this podcast, do not buy the general idea that this wide receiver class isn't that good. It, it, it It's bullshit. Anyway, um, let's talk about Tolbert, and then we've handled the 11 guys that I really wanted to talk about. Tolbert's a guy I liked right from the drop when I started watching him. The guy that kept popping into my head when I watched Jalen Tolbert uh, was Gabriel Davis. Um, I had a very similar feel when I watched him um, when I was watching Gabriel's tape from um, UCF. For those of you who remember, I was pretty high on Gabriel Davis pre-combine. Uh, he came out, had a decent combine, was big, ran fast enough. I went, He ran like low five fours, I think. Um, and, you know, once he was at the combine and people realized, hey, he's a big guy who carries his weight, well, he became a thing. Um, and then, you know, goes to the Bills in the fourth and, you know, the rest is history. Now he's a guy who people are really high on uh, in dynasty circles, right? Um, so Davis is a guy I liked. And the reason I liked him was I just, I liked his play strength. I liked his alpha mentality, especially the way he ran slants in college and he would catch balls in traffic and be able to sort of snatch the ball away from, from you know, nosy, aggressive defenders. I like Jalen Tolbert in that same way. I really like the hand strength, even more than Davis in some ways. Um, I like his play strength overall. Uh, I, I, I like his aggressive mentality as a receiver. Now, he doesn't have the physical size of Gabriel Davis. He's about 20 pounds less. I think when all is said and done, Jalen Tolbert's going to be playing around 199, 198 pounds. Gabriel Davis has got about 15 on him, if that ends up being the case. Uh, Davis is also an inch taller. Um, but... They all, you know, they both have the same arm length. Um, Jalen Tolbert's got much bigger hands. He's got 10-inch mitts. Um, they're both explosive athletes. Um, Tolbert a little bit faster, a little bit more explosive. Um, so there are similarities with these guys. They're not the same physical presence, but they're similar. But it's really the way they play um, that I find uh, them to have similar traits. I like the way Tolbert works the sidelines even better than Davis. Um, now, he, I think he had a little bit better quarterback play, which, which can help there. I just, Tolbert is a strong kid. He does a lot of things well. Um, you know, He's had some big games against good teams. He's had, you know, when I watched him in the games he played against SEC, he didn't seem to have any problems. Um, I really like the way, and again, the play strength, the way he can get into traffic, get banged, and still get his hands out there and make the catch. Uh, the way he snatches the ball, he understands when the defense is tight on him, and he doesn't, he, you know, he's not lazy with the catch. Um, he does a lot of things that I like. Um, it really comes down to his ability to handle press. I didn't have a whole lot of examples of him showing me the footwork I like to see against press because he wasn't getting pressed that much. Um, but if this guy can handle the press as a rookie or if he can just improve over time against press coverage, I think he's going to be really good. And again, 
This is my 11th ranked guy. Um, and again, somebody had to be 11. Um, so when we look at this group, the fact that there's 11 guys who I don't think they're viable. I like these guys, all right? There are other guys who I think are viable. I just didn't put them in this group. Guys like uh, John Mechie from Alabama who's got an injury to contend with, but I think that guy looks like an NFL receiver to me. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people like David Bell. Uh, a lot of people like Wandale Robinson. Uh, I like the kid from Boise, uh, Khalil Shakir, quite a bit. Um, you know, Justin Ross is still out there. You know, Danny Gray is sort of an interesting player. Um, I, I, you know, I, I still think, you know, Velas Jones from Tennessee is a guy who might surprise people in terms of the type of applications he may have in the right scheme at the NFL level. I don't think these 11 receivers are all we need to know about the class, but I think it's really important that we understand how good these 11 guys are and, you know, what it's worth to go out and get them. So because of the strength of this of these 11 receivers and because we have at least two running backs who are very, 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 very good, we have more than one round of talent. Because there's at least one quarterback who's going to probably be overdrafted and who has a very athletic skill set, there's a guy who could jump up into the first round of even single quarterback drafts. Because there are third and fourth running backs that, depending on where they get drafted, could have first-round type value to the sheepish dynasty player, if you will, we are going to see good receivers get into that 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 area, probably. These are going to be excellent buying opportunities. So in the first round, if you have, if you're in that mid first round area and you're not going to get a look at the top two running backs and you don't need receivers who are going to light it up for you right away, if you can play the long game, then trading down in round one or even slightly out of round one can be a real power move. If you can get a real material asset to move from, say, eight or nine to, say, 13 or 14, that could be a really great move. Um, now, you may have a guy that you really like, you're hoping he's going to slip to you and you want to stay in your organic position. That's fine, too. That's fine. All I'm saying is for the person who's aggressive, for the person who's confident, for the person like me who just sees 11 guys and, and I don't care which one I get, you can really pick up something basically for free and you may end up getting your guy anyway. So I just feel like really being active in terms of pursuing the trade downs, especially for people once the guys who are elite are off the board, if there are still people who have love, right? You know, some guy who just loves player X, no matter who that player you know, X may be, whether it's Drake London or Alave or, you know, some guy loves Traylon Burks or Sky Moore or whoever, it doesn't matter, Christian Watson, they've got a hard on <laughs> or whatever for some particular receiver. Well, do business with that person. You know, you, you know, again, so you just move from Sky Moore to Watson or from Traylon Burks to Watson or from Watson to Pierce or whatever. If you don't have a strong feel for any of these guys being better, you may pick up a valuable asset or a valuable pick. Um, I'm not saying that's what you need to do. I'm saying this is a year where those types of trades in the right situation, in the right groups, in the right draft, they can happen. Um, I, I mean, that's how I got, a couple of years ago, I had the last pick in the first round. I took on Johnson because I had a mild, I had no QB need. I had a mild need at RB. I was sitting there going, do I want to go with Josh Allen or on Johnson? Well, the, the, the team behind me wanted on Johnson desperately. They offered me the next pick and a whole bunch of other stuff just to slide back one. I, you know, I gave him on Johnson. I took Josh Allen. And the rest is history. So these types of trades, you know, Kick the tires. Find out what's out there. You may be able to move a slot or two, get the same guy who's number one on your board and pick up, you know, a valuable asset in the process. Now, the flip side of that, right, is that once we get, once you've made your first round pick, maybe you get a first round pick you like and you're a little bit too far back in that second round, I think moving up a couple slots in the second round or trading from the third into the second, if you can get high enough, Man, that could just be a great move this year. If you can pay, you know, you know, if you can use your third round pick and like a 2023 third to move up into the second and nab one of these slipping top 11 receivers, I just I just can't say enough how much I love a move like that.
Um, so, you know, again, sliding back in the first round, sliding up into the sweet spot area of the second round, I think can really be a great way to play the draft this year. It's going to have a lot to do with how things shake out, with how the love ends up breaking down, with, you know, which players are moving up, which players are sliding back. We're just going to have to follow the bouncing ball on that. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, I, there aren't really any tight ends that move the needle for me where I'm jumping up to get them this year. Tight end has really been unleashed a little bit in the NFL. They moved around. There's more tight ends out there that are established who I like. Um, so, you know, I'm not moving heaven and earth for any of these tight ends. Uh, the quarterbacks, I mean, there are some guys that I find to be interesting. I think most of them are going to be overdrafted. Um, Malik Willis, if he goes to the right place, if I like the trajectory for him based on who's going to be helping him, then I, you know, I, I think he becomes interesting. Um, but really for me, I'm focused on the running backs and the receivers. Um, now, one last thing I want to say before we get out of here, and we did great on time. Um, if, now I'm not releasing rankings this year. I don't have the time and I don't want to do it, but you guys know I care about you. So if you're Starting your draft like me, if you happen to be one of these really rare leagues um, that starts the draft immediately, um, and you're a Roto Bonner, and you know my rankings are something that you've been leaning on and, and using, hit me up on Twitter. I'll, I'll be happy to, to do a little sit down with you. Maybe we can get a little DM going, um, and I can share some of my rankings with you. Um, you know, and you know based on where you are in your round and what you know you you know if you have a decision like hey Pete. You know, I think I'm going to have player X, Y, and Z on the board when I pick. What do you think I should do? I will be happy to get into that with you. So hit me up. I don't think there's going to be a lot of you because uh, I think most leagues are, aren't going to be drafting for a week or more. Uh, but if you're in a jam and you're like, I don't know, my Rotobon rankings, I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. So just, just hit me up on Twitter. We'll start a little DM and uh, I'll, I'll be happy to give you what I got. So as always... Um, thank you for making the Rotobon podcast part of your process. Um, thanks for uh, interacting with me. Thanks for following it on Twitter. Thanks for being a Rotoboner. I really miss doing this. I can't wait to do a couple more podcasts. Really looking forward to the draft tonight. I'm going to kick back with some whiskey and just take notes and 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 watch more film and 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 see and and, and maybe see if anybody jumps up who we didn't expect. Um, and obviously, we got the Jets. Oh my God, the Jets. Oh, I mean, their potential to just break my heart and crush my soul tonight is unlimited. But then there's the dream. Who knows? Maybe they do the right thing. It's all drama. It's all good. I, I really can't wait. Um, so again, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for supporting Rotobon. Uh, and there are going to be podcasts coming up over the next week. I've got my system set back up. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's working pretty well. This actually, the, the recording process has gone uh, a lot better than I thought. So again, great receivers in this draft. I really do think, as I said on Twitter the other day, the other day that how you, air, you know, hand quote here, play the draft is going to be really important. You know, we, I think when we live on Twitter, we start to morph into this mindset that everybody's a genius, that everybody knows what they're doing, that everybody is going to draft like a computer and just do the right thing. The reality is that these are human beings and that we, you know, when we sit in these you know, air quote, typical dynasty drafts, yeah, there are going to be eight guys in there who really know their stuff. Uh, and I say guys loosely. I know that there's a lot, of, a lot of women playing dynasty now. Apologies to anybody I offended there. There are usually going to be two to four owners, GMs in leagues that are either under-informed in the moment because they're a little behind the curve this year or they're playing for the fun and they're really not the greatest players. And all you need in a year like this are just one or two people who aren't really looking at things right. And it's even better if these are the kind of people who like to shake it up, they like to make trades. You only need one person to dance with to make that great move. It, you know, the other 90% of the owners in your league could be sitting there going, what is this guy doing? Who cares? All you need is one person to dance with. So this is a great year to really be on top of things. Um, 
you know, to kick a lot of tires, to make sure you've got open lines of communication with all the people who are, you know, especially behind you in drafts, because I think sliding back can be huge this year. But again, once we get out of that first round in the second round, who can you maybe slide up with? Who is going to sit there and get dispirited because their guy doesn't get to them and they're not going to just move to the next good receiver? They're going to be up, you know, they're going to get upset because they had to have player X, but, you know, Pierce or Tolbert or Watson or Moore or Burks or Pickens or whoever or Dotson are still on the board. They don't love that guy, and you know that it's a player worth loving. You can jump up and get him on the cheap. So it's really a draft, as Ron Burgundy says this year, keep your head on a swivel, have open lines of communication with all the owners. You never know where that target of opportunity um, can, can be there for you. And essentially what can happen, if you play your cards right, is you can leave a draft with two first-round picks, and you only used one first-round pick to get them. That's how you can you can have that type of success if you're just paying attention and if you're just you know beating the bushes as they say. So that's it. Just you know, I I, I felt I you know I felt compelled to get that out. This is a little bit of a unique draft class, and I think if things break right for us, uh, a lot of good things can happen. Um, and I will have a lot more to say. Um, you know, after day two, we're going to do a little day three warm up, and then we're going to have podcasts coming out about um, the UDPL draft, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the draft tonight, and uh, I'm going to see you all real soon. Giddy up. <laughs>